the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Thanks everybody for joining me. My name is Paul Spain. And I'm Nate Dunn. Thank you, Nate, for coming along on the show this week. Thanks for having me back. At la- a little bit last minute, we had uh, we had a, ca- a cancellation there, so uh, thank you for making yourself available that's today. All right, that's all right. I quickly went and put on my zero shirt too because I remembered uh, you're live and streaming, so I can't just hide behind a microphone. So, so you put on a bit of promotion for put, yeah, uh, put on uh, the, for, the, for the zero. <laughs> Rod, the only clean tech shirt I think set, I've got please, at the moment. Please send sponsorship checks. That would be um, lovely. Yep, in my name. Um, <laughs> So this week we have we have quite a few interesting topics to talk about. Google rolling out fact check feature to, uh, I guess, to, to help us be aware if there's super fake news coming mm. through in our uh, Google searches and our news results. Two Degrees have launched something called Data Clock, which I'd like to talk about. Uh, it's an idea where you can buy unlimited internet for a particular period of time. So that has some, uh, some interesting uh, implications. The government's telco property access bill has passed its uh, final reading, so we'll have a quick chat about that. Now, last week we talked about Two Degrees launching New Zealand's first mobile data plan that would give you unlimited, unlimited data on your on your Huawei P10 or whatever, uh, with P10 Plus or whatever smartphone you happen to be using. That's was that contract got, and... Sitting here. Because I remember seeing the announcement, but was that contract and prepay, or is it just... Sorry, on account and prepay, or is it just on account? Uh, I think it's available for, uh, if I could, no, I won't commit to this, but my recollection was that it's for personal plans and that it will be coming for business plans as well, but I think it is on account. Yeah. In fact, maybe it's already available on both. Actually, I did, did have a have a look through on the website, and I did chat to them. But um, I, I think they, when I read the announcement, that they, they said it was unlimited. A uh, fair use policy um, applied to it. Yeah. Plus, they also said you wouldn't be able to tether um, your laptop, which is where you know you, you grab your phone, yeah. and you put it into hotspot yeah. mode, and then if yeah. you're in a cafe or somewhere away from the office, you can then. Correct, yeah. So we'll, we'll drill in on that when we come to that one. Um, and what we're going to do is talk about Spark, who have decided to follow in their their footsteps this after. week. Uh, also going to hear about what Apple are up to with upgrades. Finally, there's a bit more noise from Apple around upgrades to their Mac uh, Pro, their, uh, their professional end product, uh, a new iMac Pro coming. And other bits and pieces there. Uh, some details we've heard um, from one of our previous guests on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, he's been sharing a few little bits around um, Microsoft Surface Pro 5. And we're going to have a look at Huawei's uh, P10 Plus that we've got here. Chat about that and the uh, Huawei uh, P10 that both launch in New Zealand this week. Uh, if we have time, we'll also drill into... Um, what is happening from a an emergency response perspective in New Zealand? Now, there's a couple of topics about that that are news this week, but we'll, we'll see how we go for time to, uh, to to drill in on that. So first up, Nate, I wanted to chat around Google rolling out this fact check uh, feature. And I'm curious what uh, what your thoughts are. Can we rely on Google now to alert us 
if news is fake news or um yeah what's your thoughts so ba- you know basically what what they've done is they've rolled out um this tool which is designed to highlight uh news articles that are you know false basically so um yeah do you think that's um that could yeah, be handy i think it is very handy i think a, a lot of people especially with social media being so prevalent don't they see something and then straight away assume it's true and don't ever fact check it the, the classic one just reshare just reshare it <laughs> it'll be fine um the classic one so i i've just come back from melbourne and we we're over in melbourne seeing a, a irish comedian called dario brian and while we were there the night before we saw him he actually tweeted out a, a link which is perfectly uh, relevant to this where he supposedly had died in a car crash in dublin he's he's from ireland and he said, well, this is quite unfortunate. And someone had tweeted him saying, did you know that you've died in Dublin, even though you're currently in Melbourne? Um, so it's that sort of stuff. I think celebrity deaths is a big, massive one because it just ripples out so, so quickly. Mm. So I think anything that can be done to verify that, because a lot of people, I, d- I suppose, don't use Google that often to, to fact check that stuff. And I, I don't know how to pronounce Is it Snopes? Is that how you pronounce it? There's a sort of a urban myth so i use that side yeah. all the time if you yeah. you know yeah. type it in yeah. and it will yeah. give you a full list of, of of whether that thing had actually happened or not so so do you think that would apply to new zealand tech podcast if someone tries to reshare this and actually we're just talking rubbish um will it be able to pick that up will it go into the audio and work out whether we're actually whether we've whether this is real or fake who knows? It, it, sometimes we get stuff wrong. Yeah, you know, we're human. Yeah, who knows? It, it, potentially, I don't think the technology is there just yet. But okay, okay. I think it will get it. I think this is a fantastic idea. I think um, Google's got the databases to be able to quickly verify if something's um, not right. Um, and so I do think, yeah, it's well, long I think, overdue. Uh, I think they were out outsourcing it, weren't they? So, um, well, they they're using yeah Snopes and uh, PolitiFact. I actually to, remember watching to a, check on whether you know statements are, uh, are valid or not. So it's it's pretty interesting. I'd like to see it be more broader than just Google. That you know we're seeing this sort of stuff across other social other channels, social media, and so on. Um, you know, and and there's a level of that that goes on uh, today. But yeah, I think it was just a few days ago uh, we heard. Uh, which country was it? There, there was one area that was wanting to put this back onto uh, onto the Googles and the Facebooks and so on and the Twitters of this world to actually deal with with the wrong stuff that's going through uh, or getting published. Of course, it can be quite hard to actually do that fact checking. Mm. And in some cases, the technology probably won't be a hundred percent right. So, um, yeah, is, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see to see how it goes once it's actually something we get really used to ha- yeah. having. It is big business with the fake news. I remember, I, I can't remember if I just read about, but there's a documentary about a, I think it was a kid or an adult in Macedonia, I think it was, and what they were doing is they were sending out all sorts of fake news, and they were generating huge amounts of income. I think it was like fifteen or twenty times what the average income in where this guy lived he was creating all sorts of articles and through advertising all that sort of stuff so whether or not you you think oh well, i don't really see the point in creating something that's fake there is a lot of money to be made off um creating what in essence is lies so mm-hmm. yes business. well um if we can't have some of that money then um then we should shut it down right exactly exactly (laughs) um now two degrees data clock this is 
this was one of two announcements. And when I was talking with uh, with Two Degrees last week, they they promised me there was something even more exciting coming than their unlimited mobile plan. And I thought, what could this be? Um, well, this Data Clock is their is their new exciting um, service. Or so they tell me. Um, and ah, oh, I think it's this that's starting out on prepay now. The way it works is, and apparently the um, the provider has um, is delivering this in a number of other countries, but they're the first to to offer it in New Zealand. And basically, you will have a an app on your uh, on your phone if you're a prepaid customer with Two Degrees Mobile, and. If you've got a scenario that's popped up where you need a chunk of data for a little while, uh, maybe you want to do a little live stream, but you don't have a sufficient data plan to be able to live stream from your mobile. Maybe you want to watch a Netflix show and you're away from home or a sports game or whatever it is, then you can you can basically say, look, I need five minutes worth of data, an hour, whatever. And it ranges from, I think, what they mentioned was five minutes was the shortest. You go up to 24 hours. The prices at this stage, which may change, um, and in fact, I I referred to them in, in Uber talk of uh, surge pricing. So if there was a lot of demand that they could go up, which um, I'm, I'm not sure they were, they were super, two degrees were super impressed with that, uh, uh, that, that, uh, terminology. It, I mean, it sounds like it's not something that they're planning to um, to have to do, but they'll keep a watch on usage. And if they do, it won't be localized. It's probably across the whole network. Um, but they do want to be a bit a bit cautious about overloading their network. Um, but uh, the figures that were mentioned were fifty cents if you want five minutes of just data usage, and you're just going to pay for that time. If you want the twenty four hours, six dollars. Um, so. That's pretty reasonable if you just need to go nuts with a bit yep. of data for uh, for a while. So that's the fair use policy that they're talking about with the unlimited plan. I assume that it, is that like you couldn't you couldn't buy the twenty four hour plan and then just set it to, to you, download as much as you want. You use it to uh, use it for tether and so on. Yeah, um, oh, I think it, it was late on um, Thursday afternoon when I chatted through with them and. I'm now struggling to remember what the uh, what the uniques were around that because yeah I, I did wonder about tethering and uh, a couple of other bits and pieces so I actually need to recheck that and I don't seem to have uh, scribbled it down in my notes here. It's a really cool idea because even um, for example uh, when I got married a couple of years back we had to organise a, a SIM card and that would be the perfect scenario where I just want because in essence I only wanted to give everyone that had travelled from overseas so they didn't have to roam data so that would be the perfect time that I could go let's say if you were allowed tethering and you were allowed to share it in a modem um, give us 24 hours unlimited six bucks which is amazingly a, a, an amazingly good deal and everyone can use the internet mm, mm. so um, yeah so quite uh, quite good to see Two Degrees doing new stuff now on the other side, we've got um, Spark and uh, and Skinny, which is their, uh, I guess their uh, their their two degrees uh, competitor, their sort of you know budget option. They moved very quickly to how would you say it to replicate what two degrees were offering, mm-hmm. and of course try and differentiate their offering and make it a little bit better, which. Yeah, we're we're getting quite used to two degrees uh, stirring up the 
the mobile market here in New Zealand since they've come in. You know, I think uh, a lot of businesses will have seen their mobile uh, costs drop by um, you know fifty percent or more um, since they've been in the market. And about about you, what sort of reduction have you seen? I think since we've had a third player in the market, quite a bit. But it's also it's we're in a, a weird sort of scenario where. Um, sort of if you rewind maybe five years you wouldn't have any of your business um, employees on prepay because it's just it doesn't make any sense put everyone on contract blah 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 but we're actually getting to the stage where the prepay offerings are so competitive that it is actually worthwhile putting someone on prepay and so um, I'm probably going to swap to prepay shortly Uh, my wife's on prepay uh, business partner's on prepay it's actually the, the competition in that part of the market is actually helping bring all that cost down which is so good yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? That um, yeah, if the hassle of of being on prepay and there are, there are is, some some oddities of it, and that would probably more be your smaller businesses that would consider that. If you can cope with the with the hassle associated with it, uh, then you're probably going to pay less by being on um, on on some of those prepay uh, plans because some of them are, are incredibly competitive and it does seem like a little bit of a slap in the face right when you commit to maybe even you commit to a term but you know you commit to prepaying them just being able to or you know you commit to a regular a regular plan and you know when you're on a plan i think they suck it out of your your credit card or whatever usually Hmm. in advance of the month the period anyway so they're effectively they are getting paid in advance for it uh but you tend to actually pay more than what you do for uh, just a casual, you know, user with a SIM card on a, on a casual, you know, prepay plan that you can change on and off and so on. So um, yeah, it's uh, but that's the that's the nature of uh, of the business really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Spark have come in now. What we heard from uh, Two Degrees was there is no hard cap, but they will be keeping a watch on uh, usage, and if you go too nuts, then and remember, this is a trial, so they've not guaranteed to be continuing with an unlimited service long term. Is that they may be um, put a little bit of pressure on you to minimise your data. They may slow your you know performance down and so on. What Spark have said specifically is they will give you twenty two gigs worth of data at full speed. After that, then they reserve the right to slow you down. What well, the argument? Because I I. The US does this. Like, they're the classic for whenever you see the, the US ads when they talk about unlimited mobile data, it'll always go, you're at 4G for, say, 10 gig, and then it drops down to pretty much That's unusable. It. Yeah. So, in my mind, is it really unlimited data? Like, is it, or is it sort of marketing, sort of spinning it a little bit to go, well, it's, it is unlimited. It's, unli- it's unlimited. It's just not all fast. Yeah. Um, is that, in essence, is that unlimited, though? Like, shouldn't it be, in my head... If it's unlimited, it should be the same experience the whole way through. And if you're not able to to do that because you're going to get the odd person that's really going to um, use it to the max, then don't call it an unlimited plan. Call it a a max plan with a and put a cap on it. I, I don't know. Well, they they call it max. That's actually uh, two degrees um, title, but yeah, I don't know. I I can understand it. I'm um, I'm used to it, but. There are some markets where people don't call something unlimited, and then they actually, you know, give you more than what you're paying for. Mm-hmm. I came across that in uh, in Philippines, where I used up more than the data I'd paid for, and it kept going, and it seemed seemed fast, which I was sort Sweet. of blown away by. Maybe they just have poor, poor technology for uh, tracking Nothing. usage. I don't know what it was, but uh, do you think the tethering thing's going to be a difficult from a technical point of view? Is that because I was thinking about it the other day, how would they? 
because surely the data and you need someone far more smarter in networking. Well, than they, I am. they tell me technically that they can tell uh, what it, what is whether you're tethering on a phone or, or whether on they're yeah whether you're tethering or not. So yeah, all of these plans, including the Spark ones, say you can't uh, you can't officially tether. Um, some some research I did suggested you will uh, you will likely get away with it to a uh, to a degree at least on two degrees. Um, so you could be reasonably relaxed there as long as you don't go nuts with trying to use an unlimited amount on a you know in a tethered scenario. So just just to be aware of. Um, now with Spark coming in, of course they've dropped some extra bits and pieces in. They give you Lightbox and 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 Spotify uh, bundled in on your standard Spark plan. If you go with Skinny, uh, looks like their plan is is slightly uh, slightly cheaper. I think maybe a hundred and twenty dollars. Um, and that's their, their skinny direct. So all of the offerings are, are, are reasonably close, but you know people will make a, make a call. Um, in some ways, I would I would I would be encouraging people. Look, um, you know, two degrees are the other ones here that have stirred things up by launching this plan. If you get good coverage from two degrees, or you're already on two degrees, then I would I would support them. Yeah. But if you need the you know coverage benefits or some of the other things in, that Spark have got to offer, then then sure go on Spark. But uh, you know I think it, it's very clear uh, that we've got two degrees to thank for uh, for this being available in the local market. So uh, yeah, um, I will give one of their SIM cards a spin over the next little while and uh, and just see how it um, how it performs for me and um, what sort of speeds do we get nice. now? Apple, we have long. Fairly long, sort of discussed the the fact that Apple seems to have been letting their customers down a little bit over the over, certainly over the last couple of years with keeping the, their Macs up to date with you know good current chips and delivering the best of performance and so on. Particularly the Mac Pro product, uh, which has been a bit disappointing from a performance uh, perspective and that's because they haven't updated it in over three years and wow. you know when when you think of a high-end professional product and these would be you know between well some of them over ten twelve thousand dollars depending on what what model yeah pretty disappointing and for those that are that are doing the sort of video editing work and uh, 3d work that would benefit from a high-end machine, um, you know, three years after a machine is launched, still paying exactly the same price as you did at launch for that product. So, you know, and a lot of businesses will replace equipment at the end of three years. You imagine that. Your equipment gets to three years old. You go, okay, it's time. time Our change. replacement policy says we replace it because as machines get older, they get less reliable, they don't perform as well, et cetera, et cetera. And then you actually mm. replace it with a machine that's exactly the exactly the same other than the fact that it, that it's new, so it you know it um, you're pressing reset on it on its lifespan from that perspective, but zero performance increase. That's where Apple have been with the Mac Pro. Um, shocking situation, but uh, yeah, they finally said, look, we uh, we accept we got this this wrong, and they are going to be coming out. They've they've just done a refresh in terms of pricing, so there's some you, know, you get a little bit more bang for your buck 
uh, now, but it's not actually really a new model. It's just you get a higher spec in your base model than what you did before. They've ha- have said they're com- going to come out with with a whole new design, but it's really unclear on how far that it is away. And uh, suggestions are, yeah, it could easily be a year or or more until that comes out. So there's a bit of waiting there. Apple are also coming out with um, a new iMac. Uh, a new monitor so um so there's yeah there's 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 some interesting uh bits bits and pieces going on there i think yeah good to see apple getting with the program and uh and refreshing things now have you used mac uh much lately nate or not a big no, a big mainly mainly because and I, I know you can dual boot uh mac so you can um, well, being a software developer, I need to run Visual Studio, which is a Microsoft product, and so and I know you can do boot, boot them, but um, no, I don't really do much with the Apple stuff. I've got I'm trying to think if I've got any Apple devices whatsoever. Oh, I run a I've got an iPad for our cafe till, but that's about mm, it. No, mm, I don't. Mm. Or mainly because of our um, development environment, it, it works. It's so much easier to set up on a um, Microsoft-based laptop than it is on a Mac. Yeah. So the, well, I've yeah. always been. Um, Microsoft. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so, yeah, we've we've been told that there will be a, a professional version of the um, iMac coming as well, and Apple will be bringing a, a new. It's been a while since we've had an Apple monitor in the market, mm. uh, a new one. So, uh, so apparently that's that's coming as well. So, um, yeah, good to see Apple moving forward, uh, not as quickly as we would like, but. Uh, yeah, a bit of a pat on the back, and they're suggesting that going forward they're going to refresh things a bit quicker. So yeah, let's hope they do because I just keep hearing more and more from people that they've really lost confidence um, in the Mac, and yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a good thing for Apple. They, uh, you know, it's pretty they, poor then when you've got a, th- a three-year replacement policy, which is pretty standard across um, PCs that you end up with the exact same thing that you had three years ago plus technology moves so quickly like there's so much more well, stuff that's that's th- come out there's surely. so much they could have delivered in that time yeah in three and, years uh, yeah now uh online over the last few days there's been a, a bit of commentary around the uh the surface pro 5 uh which you know we've been sitting around waiting and wondering when there would be another uh another surface coming from uh, from microsoft um and Paul Thorot, who's one of the, uh, um, I guess, one of the journalists who focuses very much on uh, on Microsoft, has been talking around this over the last few days, and a bunch of media around the world have uh, have, have picked up on it. And I guess the, the suggestion has been that we're not likely to see any kind of any huge, big, big jumps with the new. Uh, the new Surface Pro Five. So, yeah, it looks like you know definitely some uh, some changes afoot. But you know, Microsoft will be will be keeping um, you know a lot of aspects of the product very much the same as what we've seen with the Surface Pro Four. Some speculation around uh, whether USB C as a as a connection will be built in as as well as the uh, Surface connector. You're using your Surface Pro. What's that Surface Pro Four? The four. I, I did have a bit of a cold sweat on when they announced the five, and so when. Um the news came out that they said that the changes were either going to be very subtle or they weren't expecting any major ones. I have to admit, I breathed a sigh of relief because I thought, oh, great, this 
if it sort of sticks like that, then there's really no reason for me to upgrade when I've only had this not that long. So, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. But uh, sounds like there's there's nothing uh, too exciting there at this stage. Although, yeah, any refresh is uh, is good in terms of keeping the technology um, up to play and mm-hmm. not uh, not falling behind as uh, as as Apple have done. Now, smartphones. We spent a chunk of time last week talking about. Um, this one, the uh, the Samsung Galaxy S8 and the S8 Plus. Uh, I've certainly had a good time with with the S8 Plus. I think, uh, or with the S8, sorry. Yeah, really nice phone. Getting used to the fingerprint reader location, probably probably the hard the hardest thing. Do you think uh, you keep putting your it? finger on the? Because I remember seeing the the sketches, and I thought putting the the yeah putting it right next to the lens. I would see myself constantly putting my finger on the camera lens yeah i think that's something the more you use it the easier uh the easier it gets um now we've we've now got the um the huawei p10 plus so that's kind of the focus this week and um yeah i've been spending a little bit of time playing playing around with the p10 plus fingerprint reader is right there on the front so that's the benefit of it having a smaller screen that doesn't yeah. cover everything they've moved that from from the back as it, as it was on the uh, the p9 to the front you've got your dual uh, dual cameras much smaller screen uh, in fact this is about the same size as on the on the iPhone 7 plus it's 5.5 inch inch display it's quite tall. so it's, um, it's not yeah it doesn't yeah. seem to be because I've got the Nexus which in comparison seems to be a very fat wide phone compared to that one. So that seems to be a very tall and, and thin phone rather than being tall and wide. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a very very nice thin phone. And, you know, Huawei have been really sort of playing on it from a, from that design angle. It's, you know, it's nicely built and so on. Um, it is quite different from, from the S8. Uh, definitely, yeah. They've taken some interesting things with the with the fingerprint reader. You've got the. Do you slide your finger, the, or do you the, just the, press the, it? The soft buttons. You you can just you can just tap it. But there are also some other things that you can do with the um, with the button. Yeah, I find it, it's quite interesting having a fingerprint reader and then having your you know home and back button and so on on the screen. But that you know you you basically get you just get, get used, used to having uh, having the different uh, different options, and it's um, you know it's okay. But it's it's probably a little bit easier to get used to than the um, than the S eight with having its uh, its fingerprint reader on the on the Still rear. Side. I would I would say by a, by a long shot. So yeah, that's certainly something in in their favour. But it seems that Huawei are making uh, you know making nice. Uh, nice devices now. Uh, I think they seem to be sitting about number three place uh, in the market in terms of their their cell phone uh, sales. So um, yeah, overall they're uh, they're doing pretty well. Plus, it's got the really nice dual lens. I remember when I first tried the. I think that's a feature that launched on the P eight, the dual lens or the P nine. I can't remember. I think it was the P nine. Was P nine. Yep. And because one lens Certainly is just on the mate. A, is a black and white lens from what I remember, and one's color. And yep. I remember we, uh, I was out with my wife and we were down. Uh, at a restaurant and it was all dim and I thought I'll give it a I'll take a photo using this thing and the photo came out just incredibly well lit like amazingly well for it because normally with the camera phone the, the quality especially in very very low light it's not very very good it does pretty bright outside really really well but definitely having the dual lenses makes a huge difference to 
really low light, nice, clear, crisp photos. Mm, mm. Yeah, and um, they've got you know no no camera bump, even though it's a you know it's a reasonably um, uh, slim slim phone. Yeah, which I remember was really hard to do when. I was at one of the Huawei conferences. They say, it doesn't seem like it's much, but to get it completely flat is incredibly hard to engineer, supposedly. Hmm. So uh, there's a you know a bunch of things in there that make it uh, stand out as a um, overall pretty uh, uh, pretty nice device. And yeah, it's it's quite iPhone esque in terms of its styling, isn't it? With it's very the, iPhone-ish. The, the, the the curved edges and so on. Um, but yeah, overall pretty pleased. It's great uh, now that most of these new phones through that we're seeing uh, certainly over the last few months and and at the high end all got the USB C connection, which. Um, you know, once you switch over, you don't really want to be going back. And uh, as I use quite a lot of phones, it's yeah, it's quite nice to have everyone standardising on that new yeah. connection, and you can plug it in either direction, and it, and it works just just like it does on the iPhone. You can't get it around the wrong way. Yeah. Um. So it's also annoying kind of with that. it being such a well, sort of semi-new standard that you know, if you go to someone's place for dinner and you go, oh, actually, you know, I've I've accidentally had hotspot mode running, my phone's just about to go flat. Have you got a charger I can borrow? In essence, mm. or all the time they'll they won't they'll have their micro usb the um the most standard one but now with usb type c coming in and being more popular um you can see more people and more charges coming out which is really good mm. now you've used uh huawei in the past uh they're launching the uh the p10 at 999 in new zealand the p10 uh has a 5.1 inch screen the p10 plus with a 5.5 uh comes in at 1199 how do you feel about those price points seems Every year with each new release, their uh, their price points are sort of moving up closer and closer to Apple and Samsung. Yeah. Um, I, to me, it's still it sounds, good value. I think it is good value, but I think in the back of my head, I just keep thinking about the Google Pixel phone, which is like, is it $1,600 or $1,700? So all I can hear is, is a really good deal compared to that phone, which is, in my mind, horrendously expensive. Mm, but mm. no, it, it, especially for the bigger phone, if you... Um, I think the $1,000 price point, I think most people are pretty comfortable now. If you want a a top-end smartphone, that's pretty much the dollars you're going to have to drop. Mm, mm. So, and, and, you know, what we heard a few days ago was that, uh, and this may not be brand new news, but it was that quarter of the market in New Zealand are buying phones $1,000 or more. So, um, so these certainly fall into... uh, into that those sort of uh, those sort of price points. Mm. Now, some news in from the government. So, the Telco Property Access Bill has passed its final reading. Uh, that comes into effect mid-year, and that is is I guess all all about making it easy to especially get ultra-fast broadband connections into properties. And you know, I've been been through it uh, this year, and I'm I'm still in the midst of a of a, a challenging situation. I've um, I'm I'm in a property that is a is a rare property, um, not not rare as in um, not many of them. Um, well, maybe that too, but it's 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 at the back on <laughs> the front house. So, um, what the challenge we have is that probably. 20 or however many years ago that the um, the section was subdivided and a, and a second house put on the on the property um, 
there probably were were no trees or virtually no trees. So the way that the power and the copper phone line connection was run to the house um, was, you know, probably not probably not a big a big deal. And it was run overhead from uh, from a pole on the street. Uh, now there are there are trees all down the neighbor's property uh, to the side, the house in front, our property. And uh, when they first turned up to install it, I said, oh, "I don't think you should run it that way um, because it is um, there's just there's too many trees. You probably should underground it." And they came back and said, "Yeah, yeah, we can underground. It's going to cost you thousands of dollars. What would you like to do?" I said, "Well, okay, if, if that's a choice, hey, you guys make it work your way. Uh, go go with the uh, the free okay. install." Of which basically every time they turn up, they throw their hands in the air and like, oh, this is too hard and, you know, send me messages out of the blue uh, without having to ask me to do anything to the trees saying, oh, did you did you chop some trees? It's like, mm, you didn't ask me to chop any trees. Hmm. Um, oh, oh, sorry. And, you know, all sorts of excuses. And there seems to be a little bit of a loophole in the way that uh, Chorus works and that the contractor can put it – can – come up with some sort of excuse that says there's a complication and put the job on hold. Then it goes back to the telco, which in this case is Vodafone, who have to request to rebook for Chorus to come out again. And basically, so each visit, they come out, do whatever, mm. um, you know, no actual you know, delivery of anything. And then, oh, the job got put on hold because you said this or because of something or other. Which in each case is, you know, I think they've they've stretched the truth in terms of their excuse for putting it on a hold, and then oh, we've rebooked the job. It's now you know in two three weeks somebody's going to come out again. Um, so I'm now on to my second one of those. The last message I got, I think it was um, Friday around this. I said, you know, excuse me, but you know, what's the explanation of why they've why they put this thing on hold? You know, somebody promised that they were going to be out. Um, you know, to my home to have a look and to investigate, you know, maybe running it to an alternate part of the house from where it's been run for the last 20 years. Anyway, someone, a uh, nice friendly chap turned up on Saturday, um, but by yesterday or today, I got another message sort of saying, oh, well, you know, there's complications and something or other, and, yeah, it's going to be, you know, X number of weeks until you hear from us again. So, uh, Bummer. No uh, so hopefully you. this bill will... Um, will help a little bit it'll certainly help with the part at the at the moment where if your neighbor hold, holds things up and doesn't um you know doesn't sign off on on property access then it makes that side of it a little bit easier and there's also uh some some changes i think for deploying uh, fiber optic cables into rural uh regions um, and an opportunity where they can, for instance, use existing infrastructure like, say, your power lines to run, um, you know, maybe run fibre across those power lines rather than having to do whole new uh, connections. So, yeah, that'll be um, that'll be interesting to see to see actually what what that delivers. But hopefully, it makes uh, makes things quicker and easier uh, whether my scenario would fall into that yeah. uh, i don't know but um yeah it's good good to see the government are uh, uh, you know continuing to to pursue improvements around getting good broadband out around the country i think yeah it would be good to pro- provide some clarity around I, I can't remember if i talked about this on the last podcast um but I'm sitting on on both sides of the fences where um, I've only just got fibre and it took ages to get the land. Oh the yes, we did have a discussion on doing that. that. But I'm also on the other side of the fence where um, 
a couple of landlords who may or may not be my parents um, have a property that, in a very similar scenario to you, is a, a rare property, but in their scenario, there's actually three of them. So they've, they own the middle one. Mm. Um, and the rear um, building wants to get fibre, but um, the tenants that my folks have aren't interested in getting fibre. So uh, they've pretty much said, well, we're not really interested in you digging out the driveway because we don't want to get fibre to our property. So the people down the back are sort of sitting there going, well, this is fine and dandy. We can't get fibre because you know the middle person... The front people have said fine. The middle people have said no, and so at the back, it's well, too bad. So yeah, that's uh, when there's that's, really that's not no a reason. Scenario, is it? Yeah, we and there is actually really no reason why that they could you know run it down one of the fence lines or whatever. So yep, well, we saw some estimates through in the um, uh, piece that came through from uh, from Simon Bridges offer saying that there's something like 71,000 households that are currently unable to connect to fibre um, due to problems obtaining you know, consent from neighbours and so on to, uh, to actually go ahead. Yep. With kidding the install, so yep. uh, if they can they can solve that, that's uh, that's that's definitely a good thing. So um, yeah, that's that's all positive. Now, other topic that uh, was government related as well, and this was something I I discussed um, discussed it on TV earlier on uh, in the year, um, certainly on the radio was was this uh, was the topic of emergency broadcasts, and of course. You know, we've had varying um, things around tsunamis and earthquakes and, and, and a need to communicate directly with people in certain areas. And, you know, I, I think the, uh, the technical solution, you know, in some ways reasonably uh, obvious and, and it seems like the government are, are going down the track that I discussed. And as I say, I think it's a you know, reasonably obvious sort of approach that would allow messages to to uh to go to go out to people based on the area and that can you know they're talking about doing setting up a web portal where civil defense can go in and send out messages that will get to people regardless of what mobile network they're on and that being able to be yeah to basically accessed via the web now the the request for proposals issued by the Prime Minister's office says that the new system uh, should be operational by August the fifteenth this year. So um, so they're they're saying, hey, this is uh, something that that they want done very very quickly, which is quite pleasing. So hopefully they can actually uh, they can actually make that make that happen. And yeah, the idea is is that messages would go out. You know, based on where what cell site a person has, you know, their phone is registered on. So um, the network will know if you're in, say, for instance, Kaikoura, and there is an issue there, then the networks will be able to get a message uh, to you if you need to say move away from the coast and so on. Are they going to do it by data? Um, So they're just seeing if they're if they've actually confirmed um, this. So. There, there are two ways of doing it. One would be to send a text, um, and the other is with emergency uh, broadcast system. I'm not sure which method they're actually using. I think it's going to be text message, actually, reviewing this. So they look, probably looked at both. Yeah. The issue, I think, with the emergency broadcast system is that it's not necessarily going to work on every single device, and I think you can maybe disable yeah. it and, and other such things so uh, yeah 
I, I suppose from a technical point of view, the, the thing I've always worried about when they're talking about doing that emergency stuff is um, imagine that you've got however many thousands of cell phones on one particular cell site and you're all trying to message. Like, are the cell, phone, are the cell towers going to be, are going to have a capacity enough that they're using normal traffic, then all of a sudden you get, in essence, every cell phone has to receive a message off that one well, text messages are very, very small in data, so that's that should be no issue to uh, to achieve. Yeah. The way the emergency broadcast mechanism worked, as it was kind of a you know it was a broadcast type message, just everyone on that site would uh, would get it. Um, this is is yeah, sounds as though it's somewhat uh, somewhat different, if I've read it correctly. But we'll try and get a little bit more information on that as as we get a bit a bit closer. Mm. But yeah, I think. People shouldn't assume that that's the only way they can get information, but adding this into the mix of of what they do with you know the sirens, air raid style sirens that uh, uh, that sometimes are used in coastal areas, uh, along with radio and you know broadcast, and maybe we'll see some web based broadcasts as as well. So if there's a combination of mechanisms, uh, then we could get some. Um, um, you know, an increase in, in people getting the message. Hmm. And there are probably other things that this sort of thing could be used for as well. And it will be interesting to see whether it becomes a slippery slope. Like in Auckland at the moment, where we've had uh, flooding recently, there are issues with the water. Now, if, if we don't manage to keep up with the restrictions they've suggested, then people will need to boil the water. So you could say from a public uh, safety perspective – if we get to that, if we were to get to that point where everyone needs to boil their water, mm. um, is that important enough that everybody should get a blanket text message? And if so, who should pay for it, or is that something that the that the that the government's allowed to do? And then where do you draw the lines? Are we going to start getting propaganda that way? If we had a, um, you know, under certain governments might uh, might might choose to uh, to do all sorts of things with it. So. Um, yeah, you have to be a little bit careful around these mechanisms, right? Mm. Um, but hopefully it just gets used for good. Hopefully. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, well, that's just about us for this week. Um, now, a couple of things I should mention. The Pro Video Podcast just launched uh, this week, which is hosted by Blair Walker. Some uh, some really good interviews there. Blair is somebody who works in the uh, in the world of motion design and he he has some fascinating guests. This is a show that we're launching on the worldpodcast.com network, uh, so it's not just focused on New Zealand. There'll be guests uh, both local and, uh, and global. Um, so for anybody that works in that world or knows uh, somebody that works in the world of uh, video editing and video production and motion design and so on, then, um, yeah, let, let them know because it's... Um, uh, it's a pretty cool podcast. Uh, so that's been in the uh, the podcast charts in New Zealand over the last few days uh, in the top 20, along with Stupid Questions for Scientists, which is uh, still attracting a, a lot of attention. Uh, this week talking about uh, medicinal marijuana. Uh, seems to be quite a hot topic that people are uh, interested in kind of getting their head around uh, you know, some of the facts. The Social Media Strategy Podcast with Pauline Stockhausen, um, some great stuff in, in there as well, and, and my own New Zealand business podcast. So um, a few other podcasts there to, uh, to listen into um, to, keep you, uh, to keep you occupied while you're commuting or exercising. Well, I think that's us for this week, Nate. Was there anything else you wanted to, uh, no, to add in? 
I think it's pretty much all done. Well, thank you for coming in again. That's right. Um, Thanks for having me. Now, listeners can uh, can track me down. Um, my occasional updates, which will be becoming uh, a lot more regular very soon, uh, you can sign up for those. Uh, PaulSpain.com is my website for those email updates. Uh, you can uh, track us down at NZ Tech Podcast on Twitter, uh, or you can get me at Paul Spain on Twitter. Nate, you're pretty easy to find. Just Nate. N-A-T-E Nice and easy Easy peasy Nice and easy Um, And if you want to catch uh, Because we are now pretty regularly In fact I think we're three weeks in a row now With doing uh, live uh, streaming of the New Zealand Tech Podcast Over Facebook Live uh, Kicking off at 5pm on a Tuesday So if you want to be the very first person Or amongst the very very first uh, people To hear the New Zealand Tech Podcast uh, There's a handful of you that have been been listening in and, And catching the live stream on on, on Facebook, yeah, we we tend to get a lot more people listening via download. Um, after now, if you are wanting to make sure that you get the New Zealand Tech Podcast as early as possible, um, something I'm not sure we've mentioned before is sometimes our episodes will go online on a Wednesday morning a bit later um, so th- it varies depending on the editing process and who's available and uh, how late I'm out uh, on the radio on a Tuesday night in terms of what it takes to get the podcast online but if you want to get it for your morning commute on a Wednesday morning what I would suggest is just doing a little refresh uh, before you leave home while you're still on Wi-Fi uh, unless you're on a big plan and that doesn't matter but do a refresh and sometimes we'll actually uh, upload it sometime between um, um, 6 a.m. and and 7 a.m. occasionally shortly after, um, so it might be that your phone hasn't pulled it down automatically. Uh, but by doing a little bit of a refresh in your your podcast app, uh, you may be able to pull that down. Um, so you've got uh, you've got it fresh and new for your morning commute. So just a little tip there. All right, well that's us. Thanks, Nate. Thank, thank you, you everybody for uh, listening in. Uh, thank you to those that have uh, watched the live video on uh, on Facebook Live. All right, see ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.